The following is brought to you in association with and from a proud partner of the Shining Wizards Network. Entertainment here. This episode of Radioactive Metal is dedicated to the memory of artist Ken Kelly. This is Charles from Abysmal Dawn and you're listening to Radioactive Metal. Active Metal. This is Radioactive Metal, your source for news, views, tunes, and interviews. Here are your hosts, Snowy, Rock, Corrine, and Aaron. What's up, everyone? Welcome to an abysmal. Ah, that may that's a little too easy, but episode of Radioactive Metal. This is episode seven hundred and three, and I'm Snowy White, and this is Aaron. And dear listeners, this episode is brought to you by True Cult Coffee. T R V E K V L T Coffee dot com. Go out there, subscribe. When you subscribe for coffee, not only do you never run out for coffee, no, run out of coffee, run out for coffee, could be either of those, right? But you will also get not one, but two great bands every month. There's always something going on there. And even if you're like, but hey, dude, um, I don't need coffee right now. But you do need other cool things and coffee-related items. And to know about special one-off releases that you're going to miss. So at the very least, go there, get on the email list, because then you'll know about the things Snowy and I know about. Like, you know, when Mm -hmm. there's special mugs that are email only, only for the true, T-R-V-E, true, um, you know, fans of True Cult Coffee. So go out there, possess yourself a cup. It's the hottest, blackest, most metal coffee made for metalheads by metalheads. What's going on with you, Snowman? Mm-hmm. Well, they say a wise man once said, "There ain't no cure for the summertime blues." I have heard but you that. Know what? Yeah, yeah. You know what? I think I've discovered a cure for it. Oh yeah. Afternoon tequila drinking. I was hoping you were going to tell me it was more cowbell, <laughs> but um, okay. <laughs> that that'll do it too. Yeah, yeah. As we are sitting down and getting ready to rock and roll, it is, it is a, it is a summer, <coughs> summer afternoon the up here in here. the Great White North. And as opposed to normally, I would like to sit back and have a Lemmy with in my Motorhead mug. I've got some tequila going on in my Buffy the Vampire Slayer mug. Not only for doing this, 
But in anticipation of this evening, because I want to say horns up and hello to my good buddy, Mr. Matt Copper. He of my uh, he he the co-host of my other podcast on the uh, Shining Wizards Network Wrestling Night in Canada. It is Mr. Copper's birthday. Oh, happy birthday, today. Matt! So, yeah, and yeah. So I need to pause sorry? you for a second because your Buffy the Vampire Slayer mug. Um, that series is twenty five years old. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. There is a lot. No idea until you mentioned it, and I just started doing math. I'm like, oh god, oh my, (laughs) holy crap, wow. Yeah, there is actually a lot of things, like in the music world. Okay, that when you really think about it, it's like, holy shit, that album is already 30 years old. Holy shit, that historical event, you know, was 40 years ago. Like this is actually you know here's a topic for discussion sometime soon on this show just some of these events and just how long ago it was to kind of give ourselves a reminder you know of everything that in our lifetime you know that we've seen you know come come and come and go i think it would make for a really um really interesting discussion um yeah so happy birthday matt i'll be there at your place we're gonna break out the barbecue and just have a really good time tonight and a little bit of other uh, radioactive metal house cleaning here before we get on with everything last weekend okay right after we had recorded last week's episode well it's june so it's pride month Okay, and with that up here in Winnipeg, and I'm sure in a lot of the major cities throughout North America, throughout the world, really, um, you part of the Pride festivities are the Pride March. Yep. Where what we do <laughs> is we we go for like uh, just a march, a parade. Whoever wants to join in and all that marches from our legislative building to uh you know a a historical spot here in the city and everyone gets all dolled up and they get their floats going and all that and it's just it's just a fantastic time now can i ask uh, up north do they get naked like seems to be the thing here like typically uh, a lot of the pride parades show a lot of skin at least on the men there i have i have seen that a lot this year not so much because the beginning, you know, the morning started off kind of chilly and mm. cloudy and all that. So people were kind of hesitant about that. But by the time the parade was done, the sun had come out and it was beautiful and all that. So, no, I didn't see a lot of that. But you know what? You're not the first person that has asked that. You, you, you know, it's like I've had people like at work, oh, I'd like to take my kid to the to pride and all that but oh some of the outfits and all that can get really risque and all that and it's like yeah yeah it's true it's true but and the the funny thing is like it's 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 almost like um like honestly like if you think about what the show we're talking about last week with the sex pistols it's basically just like the um 
the the pride version of that, right? Because they had all those crazy shirts and the two, you know, half-naked men on it. And, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's all very shocking things. And I, I, I don't deny anybody, you know, who wants to do that sort of stuff. I mean, hell, like I... I'd do a braid still today in just a G-string. I don't care. But um, <laughs> it's definitely not for the eyes of children yet. You know, like there there's mm-hmm. still there mm-hmm. still has to be a distinction there. Like, hey, you know. No, no, fair enough. And that's where the parental control comes in. Exactly. I've often said that. I've, off, I've always said that, even when our little one was a little one. You know, I'll decide what what's what's good and what isn't i don't need marilyn manson or vince mcmahon or anyone like that to you know parent my child i will do that myself um but during during the whole pride thing like my wife she had a float with her company okay that she works for so she went off with them my my daughter and her husband had had other friends that were showing up late, so they went and found them. By the time the parade got moving, I was basically by myself walking beside a um, one of the floats that our good friend Erica, who I mentioned on the show before, her, her company had a float. So I just kind of walked along the side of her, but I had my Ninja Cat production shirt on, right? And the idea was you know to rep ninja cat in the parade so i was a one-man float dude <laughs> i was a one-man army for sure well, for sure tell me it was like at least a rainbow logo on ninja cat <laughs> no, no it was just my plain old black shirt just like all my other black shirts but i feel like you're missing the, the point the of pride month dude uh you know the whole time though as i as i'm walking yeah. along i'm thinking okay what Maybe next year, what can what can Ninja Cat do? What can Radioactive Metal do? And I'm coming up with all these ideas of maybe getting a uh, a uh, a little trailer, you know, and having live live local hardcore or punk bands playing throughout the throughout the parade and all that, wearing you know Radioactive Metal T-shirts or just. And, you know, just all all these little little ideas. You know, just every everyone, a whole bunch of us wearing shirts. You know, loud and proud signs as well with music cranking, and you know, just basically representing at at these events because you know there's there's rhyme and reason as to why there is Pride Month and why there is stuff like the parade and why unfortunately it's still necessary that we have to have these and all that. So I just like to, um, I like to step up, do my part. I'm with you, but you should have had a rainbow shirt. I'm I'm sure. (laughs) I'm sure that I should have, but we should get on with the grunt here. As my dad used to always say for true cavalt coffee in our mandatory metal section and looking for tunes to represent true cavalt a really cool record came across my desk um chaotian i believe that's how it's pronounced really cool death metal band their debut records effigies of obsolescence available the end of june june 24th so by the time this goes goes up to bat 
it should be just about ready. Um, yeah, so let's dive into a track right now for it. How about the title track? For True Cobalt Coffee, Mandatory Metal. This is Chaosian and Effigies of Obsolescence.
you've been very busy this week. Here's our metal fix. Well, hey, dude, we got lots going on here. I know I got lots to talk about here for our metal fix. What's going on? Okay, I have a ton of stuff. Um, it's not on my list. Don't let me forget to talk about the records I got today. But um, let's start by talking about the Munsters. Mm. So have you seen what's going on with the new Munsters movie? Yes, yes. And I caught the first trailer, the first teaser. The teaser. Isn't the teaser cool? Yeah. They did it just Um, like the opening to the TV show. mm -hmm. I I was so impressed. I'm like, oh my goodness, this is great. You know, right down to the cutout of Herman, they walk through it. Just, it was so cool. I'm like, okay. Like, yeah. Which is, that's, this is, it it gives an indication of this is what we want for a Munsters movie. We don't want Rob Zombie pulling a Hills Have Eyes and. You know, pulling, tearing people apart and having a big blood splatter fest exactly. and all that. Yeah. And that Not that, that I'm against biggest, that. Yeah. That, that was my biggest concern. I mean, it, it is officially rated PG. Like, that was the goal. Okay. But I was so worried, dude, that it was going to turn into, hey, it's his wife. We're going to see, you know, Lily in a, you know, shower scene or something ridiculous. You know, something that you don't... I mean, I'm sure there is somebody with that crazy fantasy, oh. but... I don't want to see that. Like, I want to see the uh, monsters, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, I have been, like, like I, I've always loved the monsters, and it's been fun following Rob Zombie on this track as he's been building it, and you start to realize, like, what a super fan he was. Like, he, he posted recently, he shared a pic of... Um, the original Munster's house that he took on a back lot tour in Universal Studios, like in 77, I think. Mm-hmm. And then um, uh, with with his house that he built over in, uh, where is it, Budapest, I think is where they're filming. I'm not sure if I have that right. But um, and it's like, wow, look at that, you know. And so you can tell for him this has been quite a journey, you know. Uh, and he obviously he had the song Dragula and all this sort of stuff. So um, I am super excited for this to come out and i think we talked a while ago i got my monsters flannel from dixon when they did mm-hmm. the dragula and i i literally i wear that every day um you know it's it's like part of my daily ensemble here you know especially monday through friday for work and then um fright rags i think i sent you the link for elvira the other day but mm-hmm. so yeah i found this um you know horror shirt company you know kind of movie stuff called fright rags and they they do like a lot of licensed things and so they put out some monster stuff so i bought two of the monster shirts um you got to remind me to post them when this goes live this coming friday okay um so but i got two of those and they're here already they look fantastic like i literally bought them the day they launched like as soon as they like, I was waiting. They I think they started selling on June first, and I bought them that day. Like at, as soon as they were available, um, I couldn't wait. And then trolling around on Instagram, I found, and I didn't even know this is a thing, but I found um, an album. Revolver magazine of all places was selling it, and it's a reissue of the album from 1966. It is. The newest teenage singing group, The Munsters, inspired by oh. TV characters, The Munsters. And I, I was listening to this, and dude, this is like pure 60s. 
Like it's like '60s surf. Like the Munster Creep is actually pretty cool. It's a cool song. Um, Frankenstein had a hot rod car. They've got all this sort of cool stuff. Um, but this comes in, and I was waiting to open it till we we're on the air here. But it's an orange splattle vinyl. Orange Ooh. Splattle vinyl. Yeah. Oh, dude, it is really really nice. You know, and it's like like a clear orange, but like you know, kind of like got the, like the gray black splatters on it. Um, but yeah, that just showed up in the mail the other day. Um, super, Sweet. super excited. And here's what I really like about this is that it's, it looks exactly like it would have looked in the 60s, just done today. You know, because it even says originally released in 1964. They have all the copy that would have been on there. And it says, you know, like, it's an established fact that the newest, most popular TV entry for the 1964-65 season is The Munsters. As a horrifying, hilarious situation comedy. Like, this just reads like the 60s. I'm like, oh. Like, it's just so much fun to sit here and look at the pictures and read it. I'm like, yeah. Like, that's cool. Right? Like, so cool. Right on. Right on. I'm going to look out for this record. Oh, yeah. It, it's, I think it's like, something it's, I need. It's, it's uh, Revolver sells it. You know, oh, okay. So you should be able to find it. Um, but yeah, it's been a been a hoot and a holler. Um, so since I'm talking about the record albums I got, let's talk about what I picked up at Black Circle today. So because Ooh. you keep going to old gold vinyl up um, up there in the Winnipeg area, um, I started following them on Instagram, and dude, okay. they post the coolest stuff. And so, you know, between that and, you know, you you and your journeys there and that, I started frequenting the um, Black Circle Records here in Somerville, which is essentially the same concept. Like, nothing new. It's all old, old you know, used vinyl. And right. I picked up today a Ventures record. So are you familiar with the Ventures? Mm, they're like a surf ska band, right? Well, not ska. They're, they're like a surf rock band, right? So oh, okay. um, if you heard the song... Um, did they do Wipeout? No, the Safaris did Wipeout originally. I think they did, the they did a version yeah. of it. But um, Oh, Pipeline. And you've heard Pipeline on Attack of the Killer Bees. You know the instrumental song Pipeline from Anthrax? Mm, oh. if, if you heard it, you'd know it. And yeah, oh, okay. Yeah, sure. Yeah, so, so anyway, so that's the Ventures, right? So, you know, Anthrax has covered the Ventures, and where... The Ventures tie even deeper into the show is um, they had their own line of signature guitars. And the company that made them was Moe's Wright. And they're the weirdest looking guitars you'll ever see. It's like somebody took a Strat, reversed it, and it, it, it just looks like crazy and weird. And things are tilted all weird. And you're like, you, you look at it trying to figure it out. And this was like their signature model. Well... That signature model was picked up by one Johnny Ramone some years later in a pawn shop and gave us, <laughs> you know, punk rock. So so that's where um, the Ventures tie in. And so I got this uh, like Golden Greats Ventures record. And you can tell it's pretty original because it, it's beat up, like really, mm -hmm. really beat up. But it was a dollar today. He was in the dollar bin. Oh, right on. Yeah, so I couldn't beat that. Um, mm -hmm. I picked up a Little Richard um, Greatest Hits on vinyl. It's um, probably from the 60s, I think. No, maybe, maybe 84, I think, for this one. Um, but that was that was a decent price. But then... Oh, okay. 
ties in again to this show. Are you familiar with the band, the Dave Clark Five? Uh, okay, yeah, they're a fifties rock rock band. Um, I can't think of a title like to hear their big hit hits. I wouldn't. Okay, yeah, I know that. Okay, so they were um, they were they were kind of like the other Beatles coming out of England, right? Oh, okay. Believe it or not. And um, the Dave Clark Five had a big influence on Kiss. Like, probably as big, if not bigger, than the Beatles. And on Kiss Alive 2, the second, um, on the second record, the, the last side, right, fourth side, they do a cover of Any Way You Want It, which is a Dave Clark Five song. Ah. So, yeah, it's it's super okay. cool. And, and, like, you've probably heard Glad All Over and a lot of their other stuff, so... Oh yeah, I, I was, know they're they're a big band from back in the day. Oh yeah, yeah. So I, I was like, I saw that. I'm like, oh, this is awesome. And that was only five bucks. I'm like, oh, I'm picking that up because nobody else is probably gonna make the connection I'm going to. And this definitely mm-hmm. ties into, <laughs> um, you know, like like my music history. Now here's here's the thing, I had to pick up. So let okay. me let me take you back to the '80s. Do you remember a tiny little TV show called The A Team? <laughs> yeah, I do. All right. So, and there was a character, a one B.A. Baracus, who is probably uh, uh, everybody's favorite, played by the lovable Mr. T. A pity to fool. Exactly. Well, I don't know if you remember, but there was a movie that was kind of like his breakout and everybody was excited because, you know, it, it, you know, by by the mid 80s, between the A-Team, Rocky 2, I think, is, was it Rocky 2 mm-hmm. or Rocky 3? Well, it was Rocky 3 that we first saw Clubber Lang. Okay. B.A. Baracus or Mr. T, yes. Okay. Which one was Rocky 2? Huh. His uh, his rematch and finally defeating Apollo Creed. Uh, okay, 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 okay. All right. Um, but anyway, so Mr. T was in this movie called The DC Cab Company. Ah, okay, yeah, right. And I'm not even sure if I've seen the whole thing. Like, I know I know bits and pieces of it. I don't even recognize a single one of the songs on this record, but I had to pick it up because it's the original motion picture soundtrack for the DC Cab Company. Okay, right on. This for the art alone, because it has like the movie Mm -hmm. poster where Mr. T is standing there holding the DC cab door. (laughs) Like he just ripped it off the cab. Just ripped it off. Yeah. Yeah. I just love that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some, you know, when you're in a re- secondhand record shop and you see a cool record, like you might not ever play it. And I talked about this. Maybe it was even last episode with the least Lisa Welchel album from the Facts of Life. You mm-hmm. know, she's a Christian pop singer and all that. I still haven't played it. I don't know if I ever will. But I needed it. You know, it oh, was yes, it was it was a decent price. I needed it, so I'm thinking. That was the same, your same feeling when you saw the DC Cab sound, soundtrack Absolutely. on vinyl. This is cool. I need it. I had, I had to have it. Had to have it. <laughs> right, and right I, I do plan on listening, listening to it. Like it's, it's my goal. I'm going to listen to all these at least once. 
Um, mm-hmm. But then, oh, I'm like, what's that? Okay, I've got stuff all over here. But um, okay, so that's my music stuff. So you remember last week we were talking about the um, ACDC Chuck Berry connection? Right, yeah. All right, well, so I sat down to learn... You shook me all night long. I'm not even sure if it's before we were talking, when it was we're talking, but um, like learn the guitar slow, which I've never learned. And the more I dig into it, they rip off Chuck Berry left and right. And, and I can't even say rip off because it's not like they're stealing directly. Like they are, they they basically walked up the steps that he built and then started building on to it. You know what I mean? Like, like, just when I look at these techniques, I'm like, I can, I'm like, oh no, I hear this from here. I hear this from here. Like, oh, this is where they got this. And then, so um, I was on a search to get the sheet music. And that led me down a journey where I found the Back in Black um, tab book. So I, I know you've never really been a guitar guy, but um, when certain albums, not every album, but when there was an album they made an impact like Back in Black. Like another one would have probably been Nirvana's Nevermind. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the the sheet music companies would collect all the songs in a single album, and it's basically like the, all the songs for that album in one book, which is pretty awesome. So I found that. I have all the, the sheet music with the guitar tablature for ACDC's Back in Black. But as I'm flipping through it, and I know I would look through this as a kid, and I don't know why this bothers me now, but the songs are in alphabetical order instead of album huh. order. <laughs> and that makes sense to me if you're doing like more than an album. Like if you're doing like I have another ACDs collection that's like literally the size of a phone book, which nobody uh, younger than us probably even knows what it is, what a phone book is, that is. But um mm-hmm. Like, it, it's this huge, thick volume. I'm like, okay, well, that makes sense because that's more than one album. But if you're making it for that album, put it in the order of that album. That is not rocket science. I can't figure that out. Um, so, yeah, that's really, really bothering my OCD. I can understand that. Yeah. All right. Now, continuing down that journey... Do you remember, you know, when, well, and actually I'm curious. Well, it should have because they had a price on it here for Canada. But did guitar magazines make it to the, um, the, the newsstands that you would have frequented in the 80s? Uh, guitar, just called guitar? Well, guitar for the practicing musician, guitar world, guitar player, any of those. Holy shit, what are you doing, dog? <laughs> it's, it's come to hang out with you. You know what? I I can't remember any of the titles back then because you're right. It just those didn't really appeal to me. Like I was more into like I bought lots of metal magazines and fanzines and all that, but it was it was band interviews. Like these were always for the gear, the gear guys like yourself and I was never a gear guy. But I'm yeah, I'm pretty sure they had those types on the on on the racks up here in the 80s okay well so here's the cool thing then about guitar right and which hopefully would have made it up there but so there is guitar player there is guitar world and then guitar for the practicing musician is the one that i found and latched onto because every month they'd have like four to five different songs 
with the sheet music and the tablature. Tablature is like, you know, telling you what fret to play on what string, essentially, you know, below the, the sheet music. So it's, it's people who really know how to play, who know how to read music, write music, transcribe things. And so, you know, a guitar player sits down, write, like has to hand write this out and then they publish it. And so that's what these guys would do every month. Um, and now that I think about, like, like, I don't know how they would have done all this typesetting back in the 80s. You know, when I, when I think about how this stuff works, I'm like, I, I, I can't even fathom how they made all this work to, to print these, these things. But um, I wasn't happy with the version of Back in Black that I was finding online. Or not Back in Black. You should know it long. Like online and in um, in the ACDC phone book I have. And this is before I got the Back in Black um, tab book, like the whole collection. Mm-hmm. So I started digging around the internet to see if I could find a guitar for the practicing musician. Um, because I'm like, I know they've transcribed it at some point, like they had to have. And so it's in the December 1985 issue. Uh, Rat is on the cover. And ah. um, it's not only does it have back and blind, or I'm sorry, you should be not long. It also has Rats, Wanted Band, Allen Brothers, Statesboro Blues, and the Rolling Stones, Honky Tonk Women. And I think, like, why this magazine became my favorite is because when I found it, I was just learning to play, you know? And when they say guitar for the practicing musician, like guitar world was kind of covering like all the stuff. Right. And they were, they were probably more like the gear magazine. They're actually guitar player and guitar players talking to players, but there never seemed to be much about like, Hey, let's really talk about playing. So guitar for the practicing musician every month, would have, you know, songs. They would talk about how to play the songs. They'd have interviews with at least one of the artists, sometimes more than one of the artists, who are featured in the songs. And then um, all the columns were dedicated to how to get better at your instrument. And, you know, like, they just don't have publications like this. It really was a teaching publication at a time when this type of guitar playing was looked down on. You know, because guitar players, dude, hell, into the 90s, um, guitar players weren't considered musicians, you know, (laughs) like Mm -hmm. like I I feel I feel like it's only been recently where you have guitar players getting some respect, but just, yeah, it's kind of crazy, you know. And so um, I had to go back to 1985 to find the transcription I was I was looking for. And once I got it, I'm like, oh, there we go. And um, yeah, it made more sense and it got me through it. And um, I, it just really got me thinking about how much I miss a really great magazine with great writing, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, hey, fortunately, that's where Decibel Magazine, Decibel Magazine comes in. Like, that's, there's there's some fantastic writing. I oh, totally agree. Agreed. Like, Decibel, um, what's the other one? I really dig Fistful of Metal. Revolver is still around, but I can't seem to find it. Less and less with 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 more and more or with less and less frequency. Am I able to find Revolver on the on the racks these days? Yeah, it's very hard to find it even down here. But there's there's something else I saw recently. Maybe maybe I am thinking of Disciple. Um But I can't even find Decibel on my local racks anymore. Like, and that, that's the thing is like there's just. 
the, the distribution is getting less and less. And, mm-hmm. you know, I am so going to sound like the old man yelling at a cloud right now. But um, <laughs> everything is becoming these TikTok videos that are mm-hmm. 30 seconds, you know, might be accurate, might not be accurate. And you have like these YouTube guitar stars, these TikTok guitar stars, but none of those fuckers could do it night after night. They can do a thousand takes, get the perfect take, and wow a bunch of followers. But to really entertain a stadium full of people night after night after night on a tour, it's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, so I don't know. I'll uh, take my Geritol and go to bed, I guess. <laughs> but um, yeah, so so that's been my music journey, right? Because since we talked about like, you know, what? no, that wasn't even last week. That was a couple weeks ago, wasn't it? The... um. The, the the top guitarist list. Yeah. Yeah, yeah like, a couple weeks ago. Yeah, and that's... I, I've really just been down this Chuck Berry journey, and it, it's fascinating to me how... Where, where all his licks just permeate so much of music that people don't even realize. Um, so I'm almost done, I promise. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was um, just thinking, like, yeah. I've known who Chuck Berry was my whole life, I've heard that name more in the last three weeks, okay, than I have in the last 51 years. <laughs> I am obsessed. Just, I am obsessed. You're, yeah, I love it. I love yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It just, he, he's, he, you know, he, he's the starting point for me. And, and you can just see everything branch out. It's like, wow, that's the dude, you know. But um, my buddy, so buddy of mine that I have known since okay I can't remember if he's one year or two years younger than me I, I, I'm terribly no is he only a year younger no I think he's two years younger okay I so, can't help you with that <laughs> I know I know I know this is great radio too right so anyway we I, I've known him since grade school let's put it that way like I've, I've oh, known okay. him since grade school and other than one other guy that I still talk to, um, John Caddick, I, I like it, it's, it's a, uh, it's, it's really like they're neck and neck for who I have known the longest. That's, that's still in my life. You know what I mean? And, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> I hadn't seen him for a few years back in the nineties. And then one day he shows up on my doorstep with, um, this girl. He's like, Hey, this is Carrie. She's pregnant. We're getting married. I'd like you to be the best man. And I'd love to tell you I'm paraphrasing, but that's kind of how the conversation <laughs> went. <laughs> wow. That's a lot to take in in 30 seconds. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, come on in. You know, and it, this is for, for full disclosure. And I'm so thankful that I grew up in an era without, you know, smartphones and camera phones because. Oh, oh um, well, yeah. I. I pretty much was always in my underwear if I was home, you know, like, or I, it, the very, the very most, like maybe a pair of shorts with, um, you know, with, with nothing else, but just like most of the time it was like my underwear and a t-shirt maybe, you know, right. and I would answer the door like that because if you are coming to my door unsolicited, you deserve that shit. You know, that's that, right. That's, that's right. um, because anytime there's like a new house built in the neighborhood, my parents built a new house at that time, you know, all the solicitors start coming. And so, um, it didn't take long for that to stop, let's just say, 
you know, they, they realized <laughs> they, they didn't want to see that. So, um, yeah. So, you know, that's, that's how his you know future bride uh, met me in my underwear. And um, so they come in, we talk, you know, I'm the best man at his wedding. And, you know, here they are coming up on 20 some years and wow. it's, yeah. And it started out like last year's, this conversation where I get a text, Hey, um, Carrie and I are going to do like a vow renewal at a Renaissance festival. You want to be a part of it again? I'm like, sure. Yeah. I'm like, what are we talking? Full costumes? He's like, yeah. I'm like, okay. I have no idea how to do that. He's like, no, no problem. We'll figure <laughs> it out. And then as things progress, like, um, I text in January. I'm like, Hey, um, September's not that far away anymore. I need time to like make a costume. If I have to find patterns, what are we doing? Oh, we changed it. It's going to be this. And then finally it's, it's now me and his, uh, daughter are talking, his oldest daughter, you know, who's my goddaughter because she's kind of planning all the events and essentially like, you know, they never had a big wedding. It was, um, I, I was on his side. I can't remember who was on his wife's side. I don't think there are more than the four of us. Like there might have been two more people, might have been six people total, but it was a justice of the peace ceremony behind the courthouse in um, you know, the county courthouse, that kind of thing. Um mm-hmm. at, at a little, you know, gazebo. And it was very lovely. Um but yeah, so we did that and um, you know, they they had three kids. And so the daughters are like, Yeah, like we need to give mom and dad a wedding. So I think that's kind of what this has started. And then they're trying to get my buddy to, um, he won't wear a tux. He won't do any of this sort of stuff. And I've been talking with his daughter. I'm like, well, come on. Like, are you appealing to his rock and roll side? Cause he played bass, right? Like, like we have, we have been in, you know, jean jackets, leathers, bass players, music. Like this has been our thing you know, since grade school. And I'm like, come on, build his rock and roll side. So I, I am trying to get him to go a little dressier and throw some rock and roll snaz into it. Cause he is saying no way in hell he's wearing a tie. Well, I ordered him a kiss tie that arrived today that um, I'm going to try and bribe him with. <laughs> it's the four faces of kiss. And right um, I'm also trying to talk him into a uh, skull cane and a slash top hat. I'm, ah. I'm working on those. Because <laughs> I'm like, come on, man, dress up fancy, like, like you know. That's right. That's right. I get that. Like, like make you this have rock to and roll. Me. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's what's going on there. And then, um, other thing I want to call out is, as this episode drops. So this episode is going to drop on Friday the seventeenth. Right, we're recording it a week before. Um, Bandcamp. Go to you know pause today. Hopefully you're listening to it on the seventeenth. <clears throat> Pause today and go to Bandcamp, buy something from your favorite artist because all of Bandcamp's profits today, like their cut of everything is going to, um, oh, I, let me look up the email because I'm going to butcher this, but it's, it's for Juneteenth and it's going to go to, uh, uh, I think they call it a Juneteenth fundraiser, but let me, let me not butcher this. Um, oh yeah. So it's our third annual June fundraiser where we donate 100% of our share of sales to the NAACP Legal Defense Fund, a racial justice organization with a long history of effectively enacting change through litigation, advocacy, and public education. So, um, right on. go out, celebrate that. Juneteenth is the holiday here in the 
states um, that marks when the last state in the Union um, finally heard that slavery was over. Ah. Like, did you ever hear that story? No, no. Uh, I'll give you the abridged version because it blew my mind. And I I guess it shouldn't because it was the 1800s. But just, you know, when -hmm. when we learned about it in school, it's like, well, slavery was ended when, you know, we won the Civil War. And and that's that. And you just figured like, oh, okay, great. It's it's over. And then, you know, Juneteenth is basically, I guess you had states that refused to acknowledge or somebody else had to go around like on a pony express and ride from town to town and say, Hey guys, slavery's over, you know, like like that kind of thing. And a guy is, I am paraphrasing, look this shit up. Do not trust me for your history here on this one. (laughs) Right. But so, you know, they get to the last state in the union, which I feel like was possibly Texas. I think it wouldn't surprise me in the least. Oh, my dogs are definitely fighting. I don't know what's going on. All right, we're gonna we're gonna pretend like nothing's happening, but yeah. So I think it was Texas, but anyway. So that's when the last state in the union. It was June nineteenth, eighteen something, I believe. Um, and that's then it got shortened to Juneteenth, and so that is the holiday here for that, you know. Oh, yeah. And um, and I just thought it was fantastic that Bandcamp was doing that, and. I, I've got to give Bandcamp crazy props because the Bandcamp Fridays were something amazing that they have done for a very long time. It didn't have to, you know, mm-hmm. because it's not like people are making um, money hand over fist in the music industry. You know, mm-hmm. so, so, oh, some geez. people are, but, you know, for, and this is what I can't get people to understand. For every Metallica, there are, five other bands you've never heard of that are living on floors trying to make a living that have their fifth album out. You know? Yeah, oh, for sure. For five, every, there's 50. Well, I was going to say, for every yeah. Justin Bieber, there's a hundred of them, you know? So, it's, <laughs> you know, but, but like, you know, I was like, oh, you know, when, when when people want to talk about the Metallica naps, well, they have enough money. Who are you to ever say that? You know, like, mm-hmm. oh, God, that, that just gets my dander up. But anyway, so that's the Juneteenth thing. And then last but not least, I saw a news article today that made my little heart skip a beat and gave me hope for my lifelong dream. And my lifelong dream, Snowy, is to be a friendly werewolf. I want to be a werewolf like on the Teen Wolf movie, the Teen Wolf show, where I can change at will. And I am a friendly werewolf that helps the community. And there we go. There is a zoo in Amarillo, Texas, that posted a picture that says, Does anybody know what this is? And it looks like a young werewolf, right? And I think uh-huh. somebody also called in like El Chupacabra and like every other, like, you know, mythical creature stuff because mm-hmm. it's, it's bipedal. It looks fairly hairy. It's hard to make out, you know. And um, yeah, I mean, it, it even looks like a short Bigfoot, you know. That kind mm-hmm. of thing. It, uh, to me, it there's much more of a wolf look to it, you know. Like it honestly, like kind of like the Cookie Crisp wolf, um, but <laughs> you know, and and it and I'm reading it and I'm getting excited and you know because I'm like, whoa, what if there's something here? And but as I'm reading the article, like, wow, the zoo turned to social media to ask if you know if anybody had any theories for what this could be. I'm like, wait a second, you're a zoo. Uh-huh. That, you know, people have to go to school to study about animals. And rather than call in all the experts you would have in your Rolodex 
again, throwback reference for old people. Um, <laughs> you're going to put it on Facebook and ask the public what they think? I'm like, so this is obviously some sort of publicity stunt. I can't wait to see where uh-huh. it goes. But um, I'm still hooked. I'm in because I'm hoping for a little baby werewolf. Ah, me too. Yeah. Me too. Why That's not? For. All right. Why so, not? Yeah, you would think you you would think that a zoo would I don't know call a zoologist. I would think you know, you know? a cryptozoologist, <laughs> right? Yeah, even even more fine point. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So for sure, for sure. Yeah, I'll keep 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 an eye on that. You oh, know, hope, I, hope, I hope against hope it is something really cool. You know. So you know what would be funny though, because. <clears throat> It it's one of those things where, in 2020, with all the other shit that was going in, going on, the government finally declassified and essentially said, "Yes, there are aliens. We have been visited. There's there are there are things from outer outer space that we do not understand. They are not of this earth." And they did it during a time where there's so much other stuff going on. Most people missed it, and then other people mm-hmm. were just like, oh, "Whatever." Like, you know, because 2020 <laughs> was so hard. And uh-huh. now it's, it, you know, like, like part of me is like, oh, my God. Like, like aliens are real. Like, are, are we all of a sudden just going to have shit coming out of the woodwork? Like, because people are like, oh, the public is now so desensitized. I can come out to the light. So werewolves start popping up. Vampires start popping up. Uh, there we go. You know, yeah. Next thing After we know, fight. somebody in Scotland yeah. is like seen feeding Nessie. Like, oh, my family's <laughs> been feeding her for years. Yeah, this is Nessie. And and every year there's a couple new ones. You know, like all this shit's going to be real all of a sudden. We're just going to be like, what? <laughs> you know? Right on. That's make it, that'd make a really good uh, move movie plot oh you know what you know, you know humanity is desensitized to everything all we, the monsters need to write all, all that. start coming out in the woodwork and no one cares yeah we, you know we totally <laughs> need to write that and then um and, and then like shoot it in complete low budget 80s horror horror movie style like like to to, to pay homage to, to the stuff that we love like that's for what we sure, need to do. Sure. Okay, that hang sounds, on. I'm, I am writing writing this down. <laughs> I am writing this down. Uh, let's see here. All right. Oh, but anyway, while I'm writing this down, that's all I got. What's new with you, buddy? Well, myself for my myth of first, I had a variety of cool things here. Starting with the live front last night as we speak. The Mighty Origin came through town. Look at folks at Ninja Cat Productions brought Origin in along with Abysmal Dawn and Tombs. Okay, now this was a hell of a show. Totally stacked bill. Like these are all amazing bands. And we'll get into, like, I'm not going to go, I'm not going to deep dive into this gig too much because I had done some interviews at this show with some key bands that we've been wanting to get on for a while now and i'm super stoked to finally bring them so what i did want to just kind of mention about the show is it's friday night okay stacked bill okay our advanced ticket sales to this were rather abysmal okay 
But I'm thinking, you know, uh, the walk-up. You know, people are buying, you know, aren't buying in advance. Fine. Okay, like, though the walk-up is going to do good because it's a Friday. You know, like, this is, this is the, the, this is the day that everyone wants. Okay, legendary bands like Diamond Head and Vicious Rumors have come through town, played to a couple dozen people on a Tuesday, and then some local death metal band that no one's, no one's heard of packs the place because it's a Friday night and everyone can go out and piss it up and all that. So I'm thinking, okay, this is going to happen that way. Oh, hell and yeah. this built, this room is going to be packed. Uh, unfortunately not for some reason. I don't know what it is like this tour is just having a hard time bringing, bringing the people in apparently the night before in Regina Okay, the the Thursday, they had to cancel the show just due to due to poor attendance. They never wow. they 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 never even had it. It's like yeah, this is and these are some fucking amazing bands. So, <laughs> do you know, think? Do you think that it's people that are like? Because I mean, I don't know what's going on up there, but down here, gas prices are. And and down where I'm at, we typically have some of the cheapest gas prices in the country. And ours are at four eighty seven. We're we're creeping up to five bucks a gallon. But oh, it's it's through the roof up here. Yeah, like do you think like that's having an impact? Like people are like really choosing like, hey, do we really want to go to this one? Or I've got this one in a month. Let's save our money for that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's one of the things that before the show and all that us at ninja, at ninja cat we sat down we had we had a couple of beers and we were hammering all of these ideas out what's going on here and that that definitely came up you know are, are people still a little gun shy about the um about the pandemic because it's it's still going on people are getting vaxxed left left and right um, there aren't very many in the way of, there's not very much in the way of restrictions up here anymore, but it's still going on. People are still getting sick and all that. So we're thinking, okay, maybe people are just, okay, I, like you said, we got this really big show coming up a month from now. I don't want to go out into the, into the, 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 the plague of the 2000s, you, yeah. you know, unless I absolutely have to, which would be that show and not necessarily this one i i really think that that might be what's happening you know Mm -hmm. um because i mean like i know even me like i like today like i really don't go out other than a handful of places so i can always easily um track where i've been and Mm -hmm. you know it's like you're you're still you're still just kind of in that mind where like okay let's be vigilant let's be careful what's the big stuff coming up that you want to make sure you don't miss you know mm-hmm. because I mean let's let's face it dude like the beginning of 2020 like like I keep thinking about the trip I had planned to go to California and California like I should have gone instead of you know canceling it I mean it's easy for me to say that now like should I have made the risk I you know but. I wish I would have gone because California is not what California was then. And, right. you know, like I really kind of wanted to see that. So, 
Yeah, like I, I feel like like everybody's just so shell shocked that they're really picking and choosing. And I mean, when you think about just how, like, um, we're we're just like we're clothes shopping last night because we're like, okay, you know, we need to go get some essential things. And my wife's looking at some items. She's like, what? Whoa, 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 when did this jump up? Like, 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 just everything has just had this very sudden increase, and it keeps going. And you know, I, I think that everybody's just like fuck what's happening you know <laughs> yeah yeah i think people are still still nervous they still don't want to you know like they're pick they're like the old expression pick your battles yeah and i think this show this tour at least across canada so far because apparently all across canada this this tour has been tanking and it's it's no reflection of the band of any of them because these are absolutely phenomenal musicians and great bands. They rate awesome stuff. And we're definitely proud to, um, you know, to, to play them, to have them on the show because I sat down this last, I sat down last night and over the next couple of weeks, I've got an interview this episode with Charles Elliott from Abysmal Dawn, and next week, um, the great Michael Hill from Tombs will be on. So we're doing our part. We're doing our rock, our our rock and roll duty. While I was at this gig, I grabbed a couple vinyls. Okay, the latest full-length albums from both Abysmal and Tombs, the Phylogenesis record from Abysmal, and the Under Sullen Skies record from tombs and as i got home as i was on my way home i noticed holy shit okay the um the jacket for the abysmal dawn is signed by all four members oh that's so cool oh this is really cool i never even noticed it at the merch the merch booth and all that because you know it's kind of dark in there and all that so yeah that was really cool the tombs under sullen skies um double double vinyl okay two discs inside but it's um only three sides okay the fourth side is just a really cool etched design and it's super super cool green vinyl and all that now this morning because mrs snowy was already crashed long before i got home by the time I stumbled home, shall we say, when, when, when we got up this morning, yeah, I pulled out the tomb. I pulled out the tombs album, and yeah, we oohed and awed over all of this awesome, awesome vinyl. So we can't wait to play something from Under Sullen Skies next week. Great stuff, great stuff, and it was, and it was a fantastic show. Origin, fucking kill it every time they've come through town. The only reason why we didn't have anyone from Origin is the last couple times they did come through town, you know, we hooked up with them and had had a great chat and there's just rough, rough various different rhymes and reasons for why we needed to speak to this to support act. So all in all, it was a fantastic night and while the while the attendance could have been better, we didn't lose as much as we thought we were going to be. So that's not bad. That's not bad. And when, yeah, okay, you you lose a couple bucks, but you make up for it in memories. 
Yeah. Which, yeah, the show last night is definitely going to make up for it. I hit the record stores myself as well since we last spoke. And I found a really cool copy. And I'd never really thought of it the first time because I kind of thought it was the original pressing. But then upon further further review when i got home i discovered it was the it was the 1985 re-release of twisted sisters debut record under the blade oh no way on vinyl yeah 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 okay this the 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 original debut record came out in 1982 no younger fans stay hungry was not twisted sisters first record that was their third I'm pretty sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, once Stay Hungry did take off, Atlantic, of course, re-released. Everything. The, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, <laughs> they, they re-released it with a new cover because the, the dead giveaway that it was that this, this was the, the 85 re-release is because of the cover of it shows Twisted Sister all glammed up. Okay. Now, pre-Stay Hungry, what was Twisted Sister's look? They had the biker look with the with the denim and the jean jacket. No, that was post-Stay Hungry. That was post-Stay Hungry. Okay, yeah, but they were they were a glam Stay band. Hungry. They 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 were they were like a David Bowie like meets the dolls. Meet, oh, okay, like, yeah. During yeah. during those super super early days, but once they got signed, go look at the old "You Can't Stop Rock and Roll" video. They look like bikers, and and you know, okay, "Stay Hungry" up. came along. "Stay Hungry" came along, and then as as Twisted Sister, as you know, as they started dying down, they kind of gave up the glam look and all that. Because I have, I have like on the back of the Under the Blade re-release that I got here, they have the original picture of them from 1982, and they've got the denim and the vests and all that. I mean, glam Twisted Sister, biker Twisted Sister, it's all good. It's all good. And I was really glad to find a copy of it. And of course, this the um, the re-release has the bonus track of "I'll Never Grow Up Now," oh, rock which on. that is that's obviously a song near and dear to my heart because I say that all the time myself. I'm too old to grow up now, <laughs> and, and and I never I never will. So while I was. Well, while we're on this, what was your favorite Twisted Sister release? Like, if you had to pick one, what's your favorite? I, I guess Stay Hungry. Stay Stay Hungry was definitely my entry, but and mm-hmm. this is going to be very unpopular, I think. But I am a huge fan of Come Out and Play. I think Come Out and Play is rock and roll genius. Oh, okay. I I love everything on there. I think that they mixed metal with their love of 50s rock and roll like i i like the um just even the intro song um are you afraid of things that go bump and then like it's so heavy and punching like i i just i love that record and i think that was the album where they um canceled the tour on them 
like halfway through, if I'm not mistaken. Like, it uh, did not do well. Oh, yeah, yeah. It uh, just, that was there, there. It it took Twisted Sister forever to get to that plateau or get to that that heights. They where they were at that height for a very relatively short time in yeah. the grand scheme of things, and then they just slowly started to burn out. And that you know, I think Love Is for Suckers. I believe that was their last record from the Twisted Sister heyday. Yeah, and I don't think I've even heard and, that one. Yeah, that that just I think that pretty much that pretty much capped them. And of course, you know, as you go further into the underground, D. Snyder always stayed busy with solo records, and he did that awesome Strange Land movie. Oh, you know, that which was so good, which, terrifying, which really, really predated yeah. the, the Saws and the Hostels. You know, by a good x amount of years. Yeah, yeah. I, I you uh, know what? Now you bring up Saw and Hostel, I'm like. I, I would I think a case could be made to say that um, that movie had an influence on where future horror went. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. It just took a while to get there. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Uh, yeah, for sure. While I was out record shopping, I found the new um, Down for Life Hardcore Glossy magazine. Oh, and I God. really dig this. Yeah, I've... Um, I discovered it like they're in issue 13 now and I discovered it about issue 10 but I've been 10 or 9 or 10 or whatever. I've got a I've got a small stack of them now. Really cool to see um 80s straight edge pioneer hard uh youth youth of today on on the cover of course. Um you got some of the more modern bands like Ignite and Terror, Berthold City and all that. But what really got my attention, okay, and you can't see me doing this, but I'm flipping <laughs> through it, going to the article right now because I'm super stoked. For the very first time ever, okay, I, right here before me, in a in a professional glossy magazine, not a fanzine, not an independent magazine, okay, but I'm looking at, our good buddy Murray the Cretan from Dayglo Abortions. Oh, oh no so cool. That's so awesome. cool. It is absolutely awesome. And I was in the bookstore when I saw it, you know, and I was like, oh, the fuck, Murray's in here and all that. I, my wife's on the other side of the store and I go running up to her, love, 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 look at this, look, look at this. And I opened up the magazine. Look, that's fucking Murray there in a glossy magazine. This is fantastic. He's in town. Eagle abortions are in town next week for Father's Day. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, they're they're playing, and I know he's a dad and all that. I've already contacted him. Hey, dude, when you get to the venue, you know, let's press record. Let's let's do this again. Of course, he's always down to uh, hang out with uh, radioactive metal. So really excited, really excited for future things to come. Hopefully there'll be a lot of people at the Dayglow show to drop some music here. A really cool record came across my desk, and I chose this one because I think it's one that you would actually really dig. Polish Epic Doom Meddlers Monasterium have their debut record out on nine records called cold are the graves. And this was some really cool stuff. Um, 
Yeah, it's like old old school Doom, but kind of with a modern edge, and I think you're really going to dig it. So let's get into that right now, just for Aaron, okay? This is Monasterium with Samaria.
That was uh, the mighty Origin, who we just spoke about coming through Winnipeg for, unfortunately, this tour. Ah, okay, whoever's hearing about this, well, it'll be done for out of Canada by the time... Uh, by the time this goes to air but for the rest i'm sure there's going to be some more u.s dates to all of our listeners in all of those cities that you may see flyers about town and all that at, at record shops or whatever about this tour coming through town i cannot stress enough take the time out go to it these are three fantastic bands not not only live but all their recorded output their amazing discographies really really cool stuff you'll definitely be happy the next day so speaking of which that was origin and of course this is a band extensive back catalog but i figured you know what let's go let's do a deep dive you know, let's take us back to the antithesis record that was Algorithm. Really, really cool stuff. Speaking of the such of said tour, we had the good fortune of one abysmal dawn joining them on that bill. And it's definitely, uh, I, I, I want to say... They came through town maybe about 10 years ago, but I don't recall being at the show. So I, this is really my first, um, my first live experience with this. And I can't go into too many reasons because it's kind of behind the scenes stuff and all that. But this show is connected behind the scenes to abysmal dawn so when they finally you know came back to winnipeg i was super stoked and i made sure that i sat down with guitarist and vocalist mr charles elliott they're on tour now supporting their new ep nightmare frontier really really cool unique release that i think everyone should um Take the time out and give a listen to, but we will let Mr. Elliot do all the explanations regarding that. To get us to this wicked interview, let's drop a track from the aforementioned EP. This is Abysmal Dawn with A Nightmare Slain. Can't 
Okay, first and foremost, I guess one of the things you would like to talk about first is you're on tour right now supporting your new EP, Nightmare Frontier. How is that going so far? You're happy with the results? Yeah, it's cool, man. We've, we haven't been out with Origin uh, for a while. I'm trying to think the last time we toured with them. 
Uh, I think we toured with them a total of four times. This is our fourth time touring with them. Okay. So four times since two, 2009. Last time we toured with them was, I think, 2014 or 15 on the Obsolescence record. And uh, that was with 1349. Uh, yeah. It's cool. It's cool to like touring with those guys. We always have a blast. You know, it's one of my best memories touring, touring with Origin back in the day. Right. So fun to be out here again. Well, that kind of segues into another question I have. When you're out on these multi-band bills and all that, um, do you how 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 do you choose tour mates? Uh, well, I don't. I mean, our booking agent approached us about. Um, touring with Origin because uh, we had another tour we had to cancel like not too long ago the Obscura tour um, so this came up right after and uh, I think their uh, their management and we share the same booking agent like kind of determine who who they wanted else on the bill so yeah and I guess you kind of make because okay when I see these multi-band bills and like young young bands on on tour like i don't know for some reason like a traveling bachelor party kind of comes nah. into my head is it really like that is it is I mean, touring that glamorous when i was fucking younger neighbor like <laughs> not anymore now it's like a, it's, a, it's a job but it's fun you know right. um still love playing live but yeah Right on. No, not as much sure. debauchery as when i was in like my late 20s or something you right know? but you're still relatively young Sure. Let's yeah. let's keep let's put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Okay, your last full length album, Phylogenesis. Am I close to that? Yeah, yeah, you got it. Okay. All right. <laughs> okay. Okay. This. Okay. It's your debut with Seasons of Mist. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Yeah. Is there any rhyme or reason as to the switch to them? I believe from Relapse. No. Yeah, we were yeah, on Relapse, Relapse before. Right. Um. No. Just kind of time I, I felt like we the, the person that actually signed us uh, to relapse had left relapse and joined season of mist like a, a few years back uh, prior to us I guess like releasing the obsolescence record um, and then our contract was done with relapse and we were just kind of looking around and uh, yeah <clears throat> we, we liked uh, people that worked there and like their their European setup because mm, um, yeah. I think that was always a problem was like trying to break us in Europe um, you right. know and they seem like they have like a little more of an office I guess there or staff they um, definitely got it going on I great mean, that's, label that's, yeah. I mean they're basically I mean, they're essentially a French label mm-hmm. um, but they have an office here in the Philadelphia area right on right on um your debut record, Bismol's debut, 2006, was actually that was the first year Radioactive Metal went on the air. So we're about the same age in terms of that. So you've been around a while. You're a veteran now. Yeah. But I imagine with every tour, you are introducing yourself to new listeners and a new audience. How do you see yourself? Do you see yourself as, you know, like, like uh, the grizzled veteran, or are you still seeing Abysmal as kind of like the the young guns? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I can't say that we're young guns, I guess. You know, we've been doing it for mm-hmm. so long. Um, 
uh, I guess it depends on like what sense, you know. <laughs> I think we're long overdue to do a headlining tour, right? And we need to do that. Um, but you know, been around for a while. We always kind of, but I, I don't see us. I don't know, getting comfortable and putting out the same record over and over again or something like that, you know. Um, we always kind of change our sound a little bit with each album and don't repeat ourselves, I feel like, even though there's stuff that uh, is prevalent in the music that makes it Invisible Dawn, but, yeah. Because you were kind of in that, that spot where... You well, sometimes, yeah. sometimes like people look at us as like these young guns because they haven't heard us before, right. you know what I mean? <laughs> so they're like, "Oh, who the fuck is this band? This is fucking awesome!" Like, what, you know? Mm-hmm. And then they find out we've been out around for a long time. They're like, "Oh, shit! Well, these guys should be way bigger," you know what I mean? Like, or whatever. Oh, well, they know? should have heard of you before now. Right. <laughs> That's another way of looking at it. So, can you make a living off of this? Um, it's very rare. I feel like. Right. But I don't. I don't really know. I mean, I know, obviously, I know a lot of musicians. I don't know a ton that don't do some some sort of side hustle. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Um, I I think, you know, like, a band like Cannibal Corpse or something, they can make a living. Right. Out. But, uh, I don't know. The younger bands, it's harder, you know, or the newer Definitely. bands, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think that goes for any genre. It's not even just death metal or metal be honest yeah but with the way the industry is and everything if you like pandemics aside Mm. like if you were doing this full-time constantly on tour and all that which that'll put you into an early grave i'm sure but that's probably the only way a band could do it right it's basically touring all the time it depends man it's like anything you can what's your standard of living that you want right. to, you know, <laughs> that's true what, what's your standard of living? What's your, what kind of relationships do you want to try and maintain back home, right. you know, with family or uh, yeah. significant others or anything like that, you know? <laughs> no, so I couldn't see my wife saying, yeah, go on tour. Yeah. Right. Go, go away for six months. Yeah. Right. Yeah. My stuff would be on the lawn. <laughs> yeah. When I got that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think like, you know, us, me personally, I, I do a lot of different things. You know, I, I do work at a record company. I do mixing and mastering and recording. And I also do, you know, uh, the band. So, like, mm-hmm. I have all these little, like, sources of income here and there. It's just, you know, and I live in Los Angeles. So, it's like, you gotta, you gotta bust your balls to make that <laughs> fucking ridiculous rent sometimes. Right, right. Um, yeah, yeah, I imagine. Uh, as tough as, as it is up here, like in Winnipeg, living in L.A., it just must be just absolutely brutal. Yeah, I mean, it's one of the most expensive cities in the world, you know? Um, so, I mean, I, I, I think about, like, moving somewhere else sometimes, you know, just to have a, I don't know, a different standard of living, not breaking my back but also I like doing all this stuff so you know for sure for sure for sure what is the death metal scene in LA like like when you think of LA and metal you obviously we know what people think but what's the death metal scene there like uh yeah I mean it's good I mean uh got like skeletal remains from there Mm -hmm. Tuma Census 
Um, I, I probably shit ton of other bands that. Right. Um, but I mean, it's still, I think, strong and solid. You know, um, Skeletal Remains comes to mind as like one of the few bands from LA. They're death metal bands that kind of broke out and started doing other stuff. You know, um, for sure. There's Teeth. It's another great band. I know I'm gonna like forget bands, and then people are gonna, even if they listen to this, they'll be like, "Fucking Charles, fuck, <laughs> fuck that rockstar dickhead," you yeah. know? <laughs> yeah. no, you forgot my band. No, no, I'm just thinking in terms of like a draw. Like, do you headline in LA? Oh, uh, we. I mean, we could. I mean, we haven't done it in a while. Um, you know, we don't play our hometown like a ton. Right. I guess. Uh, we, I don't know. We fair usually enough. stick to tours. Fair enough. Fair enough. For, I guess, like we said, you've been doing this since 2006 and all that. The metal gods are coming down to you and saying, I'm taking from your memory everything except this one moment, this one thing about Abysmal Dawn, and I'll leave that with you. What would that thing you would want to be? One memory. Yeah, just something, you know. Related to To your, the one memory that you would want to cherish the most from being in this band I don't know man that's that's tough you know I've <laughs> it's had a tough lot of, had a lot of cool hey, things you, you get know? challenged on this show man. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know uh, I remember that that Cannibal Corpse tour we did in 2016 was pretty bonkers I mean we had a great time on that one I'm trying to like think about like one show you know that right. or memory I don't know if I could I just overall I think that was great i mean we had a lot of problems on it with our, our van breaking down and, oh. and um, there's things like right we made just made happen like i think you know while our our van was like blew its transmission or something in new jersey i just rented a u-haul and threw everything in the back and we went to, to play new york you know and then but that happened like a couple times so there's no. times where i just rented a car while our driver like <laughs> stuck back you know it was a crazy tour man but like no no it's it, uh, yeah, we made it happen. Um, but yeah, man, one memory at I, I don't know. It's hard. I know. Yeah, <laughs> I've Especially I've had more than one band say, "Man, it's no way. Why are you asking me this shit?" Man? Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. I, uh, not related to my band. I remember like doing that first Death to All tour. That was a really, uh, really okay. cool experience. That was like a highlight for me. Um, and playing that first San Francisco show, and that happening when it didn't seem like that maybe the tour wouldn't happen maybe we would play like total horseshit you know maybe looking back it wasn't as good or something I don't know but like considering everything at the time and having it go off and like uh, I think it felt like a magical moment I guess when that that did happen and finally I'll let you get on with your day here Um, if you were to send yourself now, um, that mystical, magical email to your younger self, what would you tell yourself? What, what advice would you give yourself? Oh, wear corpse paint and sell out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, be, yeah, be a diva rock star dick. You'll sell more records. <laughs> there 
Everyone knows a lot of things can change in the span of 10 years. But when it comes to professional wrestling podcasting, one thing is still guaranteed. The Shining Wizards is the only place to get all the latest wrestling news, interviews with the greatest guests, and of course, tons of laughs in discussing the world of wrestling. The show is still available on Monday nights at 7 p.m. East on RantDMRadio.com and Rant Entertainment Media on the TuneIn app. And it's still available on all podcasting platforms. To check us out, head over to ShiningWizards.com where it's still wrestling talk and talk about wrestling.
courtesy of the good folks at a season of mist as a matter of fact all three of these last songs that we just played great stuff great stuff from seasons great record really good friends of the show that was death white from their latest record gray everlasting that was earth tomb now a name like that you might think that's it's that's kind of that's kind of a, that sounds kind of generic you're taking earth and tomb and putting it together no man like the way that or the world is right now with everything that's going on in the world between the war and the divisions and the within the countries and all that, it's just like when i saw that title it just boom it just hit home just it's like wow wow i really dig where this band is coming from and before that the title track from the latest severe torture that is fisting the sockets yes that is exactly that is exactly (sighs) what's that well yeah i'll i remember uh, our longtime listeners going way back almost 16 years ago now my first co-host he was a big severe torture fan okay and i remember one time we were driving in his car and he went to put a went to put some music on the stereo he went to put some music on the stereo okay and he goes okay are you ready for some severe torture and i'm like um i hope it's the band (laughs) you know like when you phrase it that way oh yeah uh, I don't know. I don't know if I am. I don't know what you have in mind here. Speaking of Saw and Hostel, <laughs> you know, and all that. But yeah, yeah, great stuff. Great stuff from the mighty Severe Torture. Man, Season of Mist is just killing it with all of these awesome releases. So yeah, available now. Nightmare frontier courtesy of the good of the cool dudes of abysmal dawn and i grabbed the phylogenesis vinyl okay and i i am super stoked that's a fantastic record and i can't wait to drop it onto my turntable because i haven't had a chance to just yet because i got home at like three in the morning last night all that so hopefully we'll get to it some time this weekend um as you heard from the top of the hop though we lost one artist ken kelly and i kind of knew okay when this news came across my desk i kind of thought okay aaron's gonna be kind of bummed out about this because um being a big kiss fan and being a big fan of art and just being the all-around cool guy that you are, you would have known who Ken Kelly was in his contributions to heavy music, I'm sure. Hell yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, most noted for, I guess, uh, the Love Gun from Kiss. Yeah. Kiss is Destroyer. Love Gun and Rain- Destroyer would be the yeah. big ones. Yeah. Oh, for sure, for sure. Uh, Rainbows Rising, that's another iconic cover that um that mr kelly contributed to as well as a couple man of war albums fighting the earth and kings of metal i was just gonna say kings of metal so man of wars kings of metal uh, in 88 had a profound impact on me as a bass player because joey DeMaio, the bassist 
um, mm-hmm. played the most insane, and I admit, like literally the most insane thing I have ever heard in my life, um, with Sting and the Bumblebee. And he played play basically The Flight of the Bumblebee, which is a very, very highly technical and very fast uh, violin piece normally. He played it on bass. And I remember listening to it just going like, holy shit. And I remember taking it to my music class at the time. Because I think I was even in, like, in a music theory class and taking it for everybody in there. And, you know, for, for people that... Because, again, you know, anybody with long hair was not considered a real musician. And I remember playing mm-hmm. it, and everybody just sitting there going, holy crap, you know. And so, like, that whole Kings of Metal album, I wore that cassette tape out. I loved it. And that cover is just an amazing cover. Mm-hmm. You know? And I think that yeah. that's, that's really where I learned about the, the Ken Kelly style. And then because of that, I also found the Frank Frazetta, which um, the Frank Frazetta was his uncle, uh, King Kelly's I think uncle, so, yeah, yeah, which mm-hmm. is crazy. And uh, Frank Frazetta, like he um, he did a very famous painting called Death Dealer, and Glenn Danzig did um, that. You know, basically used that painting as the basis for a comic book starting in the mid nineties. Ah. You know? so I mean, like, like Ken Kelly and Frank Frazetta just have their um, their their mark all over you know, um, rock and metal. It's just crazy, you know? Oh, for sure, for sure. He definitely had his own style and made, like, semi-iconic artwork, not not only for the rock and roll world, but just at, as a geek, okay, going over, like, seeing, you know, as seeing some of the news reels about him passing away and showing some of his work and some paintings of Conan and Tarzan. Oh, yeah. Okay, and it's like, oh, shit, yeah, I remember seeing those paintings when I was a kid. Yeah. Like, he did that? Man, this is, this, this is, this is pretty exciting now, and it's just, it's just too bad that, you know, he's, he's, he's gone, because I think you mentioned this, you know, um, off air, he would have been a great creature feature. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I honestly thought he had passed. And I known he was still alive. I, I would have tried to pursue that, you know. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I, I I had no idea. Um so I was like, son of a gun. When you told me he passed today, I'm like, oh shit. <laughs> you know. Like that was that was a real missed opportunity, you know. Yeah, there's okay, because not just Miss Mr. Kelly, but there's guys like Dan Dan Seagrave. Who I've had the opportunity of meeting and hanging out with him at the Noctis Festival in Calgary. Oh God, almost almost ten years now. His booth was beside my booth for the War on Music uh, booth as well. So every once in a while, you know, when we were, when we weren't busy or whatever, we would go hang out with with one another and all that. Really cool guy, a guy like Ed Ed Repka as well, who has done numerous numerous um album covers more for the underground and all that he's definitely um someone we should think about because like yeah we love band interviews obviously but like i said on the show before we're always looking for something a little more unique because you know metal and hardcore and all that it's not just it's not just the music there's a whole 
wide world and we want to cover as much of that. So, you know, radioactive metal condense, can, can, <laughs> gives our condolences to the Kelly family. That's too bad. But I think was 76 and i think it was natural causes and all that so yeah he had a great run like that that's, yeah. that's the thing is like you know he, he had a great run and he gave us so much amazing art dude he did he did yes so thank much. you so much thank you so much for your service as they say sir um last episode and we had one hell of a chat talking about that pistols series focusing on steve jones from the sex pistols his bio where they turned fx turned it into a mini series available yeah. now it's up here it's up here on the disney channel of all places that still still kind of blows my mind you'll if you'll you'll probably you'll want to go back in radioactivemetal.org go back into the archives give last week's episode a spin as well. We really, really got into that series. Well, that got me thinking. And there has been numerous biographies, okay, and movies, Motley Crue's The Dirt, Tom and Pammy, and, and well, I guess that's Pam and Tommy. <laughs> I guess. I uh, guess. And this Pistols and all that. So I think there's a market for these bio series. Oh, yeah, especially for people our age. Mm -hmm. Oh, definitely, definitely. Because people our age, unfortunately, or at least more in the mainstream, like people who listen to this show are musical connoisseurs. So they're like other versions of us. We understand that. So, but Joe and Jane Average, okay, all they want to know is nostalgia. Right. Okay, so that's why, you know, it's not just the musical connoisseurs that are enjoying these bios. The, you know, the rest of mainstream society is, is getting in getting in on it. So I thought, well, what would kind of make a great discussion is if you and I sat down and maybe made a short list of some of these artists that we think would make a great miniseries here on FX or anyone that really wants to take a stab at it you know, because like like I said there's definitely a market for it and if since we're just talking ourselves we're not really worried about okay well we really love this band but is it going to bring millions of viewers we're not too worried about that because right now our opinion is the only thing that matters <laughs> and everyone listening is going along for the ride. So when you think, dude, a bio, which, which band would make a great bio series? What, well, what, what's, what's the first one that pops out? I honestly feel like any, any band from the CBGB era, but the Ramones, oh, yeah. obviously, but I, I feel like if you did a Ramones biopic, um, that you could cover so much music history in one place, mm -hmm. you know, j just with, with all the stuff that was coming and going from the CBGBs, like there'd be so many little one-offs you could have there. So yeah, like that's, that was the first one that came to mind when you brought up this, this idea. 
Oh, okay. Like, are you are you talking the Ramones or CBGBs or like? I, I really, I think the Ramones. Like, I, but I think you know, kind of, kind of when we saw the Pistols, we got a little bit of the Clash, a little bit of the Pretenders. You know, like you had those players that you didn't realize had a thing. Like, I think we'd see a lot of that with mm-hmm. the Ramones. You know, like if we did the Ramones, there'd be a lot, a lot of people like, oh, didn't think about this. You know. Mm-hmm. And aren't they doing? Did I heard something a little while back that I don't know if it's in development hell right now, or you know it has been green green lit, but there is something apparently in the works for a Ramones, either a bio movie or a series. I like the idea of um, maybe the CBGBs every. Like you make a six part series, every episode featuring a band strongly connected to CBGBs from the 70s all the way up until it closed. Yeah. Like give give an episode of to Blondie. OK, give an episode to. I, I, I don't know, back back then. OK, television. OK. Maybe and then as you go into the eighties, give an episode to Agnostic Front. Yeah, I think that'd be uh, fun. And then, oh yeah, and then I don't know to whichever hard hard hardcore band Biohazard or something. Just I think there there is so many stories, and maybe not just a miniseries. When you think about it, there are so many stories to tell out of CBGBs oh, yeah. over the years. Like if if the, if that place could talk. It would never stop. It would never stop telling the stories because it probably just saw so many. Oh, geez, yeah. Okay, so <laughs> I, I did a quick Google. You're right. Um, I slept with Joey Ramone is what they're working with. Um, ah, okay. For, it's supposed to go to Netflix. And this was announced in 2021, I think they talked about this, is when the story is from. Okay. Yeah, April 15th, 2021. So we'll see what's going on. Uh, but Pete Davidson's supposed to be in it. Jason Orley is going to be in it. Um, and it's based on the book that Joey's uh, brother wrote, I, um, I Slept with Joey Ramone. So I think it's okay. going to be from the perspective of, obviously, Joey Ramone and then Joey's brother. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, so that 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 is in the works. That's right on, right on. Hmm, yeah, I'm looking forward to it now. Since you've just confirmed it for all of our listeners, yeah, I I can't wait. That's going to be exciting. Yeah, yeah. Kind of staying into the punk world, okay? Just being a fan of this band, and not only that, but there is one hell of a story behind it. Just with everything from their early days all the way through their fight with censorship and now later on um, the internal legal battles that the dead Kennedys, the DKs have gone through. And they're oh, such a seminal, one. seminal band, such, such, such an amazing influence. And just like those early days of the, of the Gilmore street shows in, in San Francisco. And of course you can go back in time for when Jello Biafra himself was younger in high school and all that. Then fast forward to his days as a punk in San Francisco, the, the breakthrough, the forming and the breakthrough of the dead Kennedys, 
and then the trial, the arrest, when you know the when they were when they were busted for obscenities, which you know was spearheaded by Tipsy Tipsy Gore there in the PMRC. That is a huge story amongst heavy amongst heavy music, and it definitely deserves this kind of treatment. So I, I would really like to see that. That said, okay, another really cool idea would be all about the PMRC. Oh, told, yes. told from told from the perspective of Tipsy Gore herself, and all that, and just. Well, maybe not from her perspective, but made by an angry music fan that kind of had to endure her bullshit and all that. And <laughs> you know what I, I, I would like mind to right, see? Yeah, okay. <laughs> like, like do do the PMRC thing, but do both sides. Like, do one or two episodes that are from Tipper Gore, and then like have a, uh, like a protagonist on the other side. Like, do it from. Um, you know, like the music fan perspective or even from um, uh, Dee Snyder, right? Because he was in that Ooh. famous hearing. So, I was going to say, yeah. Like that that would be fun to see like, like the, the, the point of view from both sides, you know? I think that'd be really good. Mm-hmm. Oh, it, it, would, it would make for this, this, the script and the dialogue – you know, for for something like that would be would be fantastic and would be infuriating, you know, to the point. Okay, because I'm I like sports and all that, and I I'm no stranger to yelling at the umpire and the referee <laughs> when when they make a bad play. Imagine, imagine the shit that I would chuck at my TV. Okay, at Tipsy Gore there. You know, for a PMRC TV series, like my blood pressure would just go through the roof. It'd be amazing to see. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. What do you got? Well, I, I, I have one that I think will never, ever be made. <clears throat> and I think the main reason it will never be made is because of um, the main, um, you know, person in this band, but I would love to see a biopic on Black Flag, specifically focusing on the Rollins years. Okay, I I yeah, would love to see them the whole, pick up. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, I I I guess I what I'd really like to see is see it focused on Henry through the Black Flag years, and then end right as he forms the Rollins band. I would like to see him working at Hagen Doss. Um, going to the show, yes. getting on stage, doing the, the auditions, and then, you know, kind of highlight different shows and, and things. Honestly, get in the van. You basically, like, he's written the script for us. It's the get in the van mm-hmm. book. Like, have him do that, that you know, and have them do the get in the van. And then um, when I was looking to see if this was in development by any chance, Laura Jane Grace of um, Against Me, she posted, this is great, she's like, if they ever make a Black Flag biopic, Catherine Kinnear should play Kira Rossler, and then Jim Carrey should play Greg Ginn, which <laughs> I think okay. that's honestly perfect, because he's like that a tall, lanky guy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, 
but it says who should play Rollins, and then everybody's you know saying like oh, only Rollins can play Rollins. But I think what would be funnier is to have like Henry Rollins play Greg Ginn's dad. Yeah, yeah, kind of like a little Easter egg. Yeah, sort of. Yeah, like I think that would be great, right? Like I, mm-hmm. I think it'd be a blast, and and I, I just I think there's so much material there for a Rollins biopic because I mean. It, and like, and I don't know if anybody else has read everything with with the um, the nerdery level that I have. But like, you know, when I read Get in the Van and all these other books, and just, I mean, picture the scene of him like living in his buddy's tool shed, and the cop coming in and be like, "Hey, what are you doing here?" You know. Trying to sleep, fucker. Leave me alone. Yeah, exactly. But like, <laughs> like it was, it was. I think it was one of his spoken word stories where he's talking about. He's like, he's out in the shed. He's like, I'm listening to, um, like I think it was the band Swan. It's like, and the songs go like, like a cop. Like nobody hassles you like a cop. He's like, and I'm typing, and this guy, you know, and all of a sudden it's like this police officer shows up. He's like, what are you doing? I'm, he's like, I'm like, oh my god, I've materialized a cop. I can't believe it, you know? And the cop's like, what are you doing in here? He's like, um, uh, typing. He's like, is this your place? He's like, well, no, you caught me, officer. Like, I break into places and type things randomly on their typewriters. But this place was such a dump, I had to bring my own. <laughs> you know, like, just ridiculous stuff like that. Um, like, I, should, I think that'd be a blast, man. It would be. It would be. Great choice. Great choice, great choice. I know both of us, okay, would love a Dave Mustaine biopic. Oh yeah, for sure. Like or like like a series because you couldn't just like there's there's more to this than just one movie. You would have to do a six, a six a six six episode series because he's he's gone on, you know, talking about his um, his childhood with his two older sisters. And all that. And he was kind of a little shit beating, like, you know, smashing one sister over the head with his guitar uh, as a kid and all that. Just like little, little stuff like that. Yeah. Okay. And then slowly as he's, as he's getting older and he, how he's discovering metal and hardcore and all that. You've got his early days meeting Lars and James, those early days in Metallica and then him, them, him getting the boot, forming Megadeth, you know, those first few records, okay, would make a, uh, would make a really great episode as well, you know, from killing, you know, to, uh, so far, so good. So what, and of course the real, the really breakthrough album is rust in peace. You know, there would, there would be a lot, there would be a lot there. And then of course going mainstream, with with symphony and youth euthanasia and then the decline more back into the underground or at least those lean years okay and of course you would have to talk about the heroin addiction as well oh, absolutely you know which as a filmmaker i would be like uh, i don't know if i really want to get into that but it's it's part of the story to tell. Yeah, you can't avoid you, that. You would really have to. You'd really have to because, like, as music fans, just reading in the magazines and all that, like Mustaine had us fixed every word 
okay, that he said we were we were all over. We were fixed right to it. Oh yeah. And all that. And I think a TV series would just have us tuning in every week, no problem. Yeah, yeah. What what do you got? Well, so other than those two, I'm not sure. Um, I mean, I, I like I personally uh, would like to see Chuck Berry. You know, I want to say that because you haven't heard mm-hmm. that name enough. Um, <laughs> but you know, I, I would personally love a Chuck Berry series. I, I and I, can I just tell you, it really bothers me that Chuck hasn't gotten a movie or a series because we've got a Ray Charles movie, we've got a Johnny Cash yeah. movie. You know, Elvis. Yeah. The, and these are all great musicians. I mean, Elvis has been done how many times? But, like, I, I don't know what it is going to take before somebody, like, somebody else sits down and realizes, like, oh, shit, this is all Chuck. You know? Like, the mm-hmm. Beach Boys, um, Surfing, was it Surfing Safari? No, Surfing USA. The Beach Boys mm-hmm. Surfing USA is lifted directly I mean, literally, it is a direct lift of Chuck Berry's um, Sweet Little 16. Oh, like, okay. Like, direct lift. You know, like, and I, I don't know if he had to sue them over it or if they got permission first, but it is the same song. Like, like direct lift. <laughs> so, I mean, there's just so much music we wouldn't have without Chuck. Um, right, you know that, that I just I can't believe that we haven't had something before now, like because we kind of need something. But I mean, like think about just any anybody who's influential, like Hendrix. We haven't done anything on Hendrix yet. Why not? Um, you know? Yeah, there there has been some uh, at least one bio movie. I haven't seen it, but I have the soundtrack to it. Was on, there? On okay. Final, I think. Yeah. yeah, it must not have been a big yeah, deal. So- yeah, I don't think it was anything that, you know, won any Oscars or anything like that. But, yeah, no, some, something has been done. But with all that's going on yeah. with 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 all of these, I think, you know, a, a more modern take on the Hendrix story is definitely in order. Oh, yeah. For sure, for sure, for sure. And when you're talking about Chuck, Chuck Berry and all that, during his heyday, like, there was still a lot of prejudice. Oh, well, and there's still a lot of prejudice in the U.S. Oh, today. Oh, wow, did he suffer it? Yeah. That's, yeah, that is something that I would really, I would like to see a movie, you know, based in the 50s, you know, of a, you know, even if, if it's a fictitious band who's African-American, you know, like, like a Hendrix or a Chuck Berry and like have the movie focused on on the prejudices that he had to endure and all that. So it's just like, I, I think a movie like that is due. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that'd be something. Well, have you ever seen, um, hail, hail rock and roll? No. And I know I should. Well, yeah, it, it's, it's fantastic. Uh, it, it's honestly like, I really like it for the, the story they tell about Chuck. And that's probably like, like the, the best, like Chuck documentary that's out there. Um, and then just for like the who's who of musicians in the concert later they do. Cause it, cause it's also like a live concert film. But for me, like the goal is when Keith Richards is rehearsing with Chuck, you know, at Chuck's place and the, the conversations and things there, but just, 
you know, they take the theater that Chuck plays at. Chuck is sitting there and he's like 60 at this point, And this is somewhere in the 80s. And he's like, I was a little kid and I can't remember what age he was. But he's like, I wanted to come and get a ticket for whatever movie for his dad. Because he's like, my dad wanted to see this movie. So I came, I had saved up my money and we were going to buy it. And they wouldn't sell me a ticket because I was black. You know, he's a little black kid. Hmm. And I am sure he sugarcoated that story because, you know, when he would have been um, a youngster, we're talking, this would have been, what, the the 30s, the 40s, where it was probably some pretty nasty language in handling him. Oh, yeah. You know, and handling, and and to be said to a young child, especially, you know, so... Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you know, just, just the way he tells that story, you know, sitting in that theater is like, and now here I am, I'm going to play, play this theater that they wouldn't even let me in, you know, like mm-hmm. that, that was a milestone moment for him. And I, I would love, you know, I, I would love to see like a biopic that went back and kind of like focused on his youth and some of those things. Cause I mean, you know, he, he, he did some time in prison before I think, you know, um, his music career and there's there's been all sorts of stuff so i think that'd be a very interesting things to dig into you know definitely definitely yeah yeah it's like focus on the music is great but yeah these the strength of these of these films and these series is the stuff that we never saw the the stuff that was basically from behind the scenes that really only gets around through word of mouth years later so I want to throw something out, okay, to yeah. all of our listeners in the Winnipeg and the South Carolina areas, okay? Next episode, for every time the words Chuck Berry <laughs> come, come out of Aaron's mouth, we have to buy someone a drink at our next show. <laughs> I, I feel like they should that. just make it a drinking game. Like every time I say Chuck yes. Berry, somebody does yes. a shot. Yes. You know? Everyone go back the last three episodes, buy a bottle of, you know, buy a bottle of Jack, get the lemmies going and all that. Every time Aaron says Chuck Berry, take a shot. Yeah. And since I know how many times I said it, for the love of God, please do it under doctor's supervision because you're probably going to have alcohol poisoning. You're yeah. definitely going to need it. Just saying. Yeah, yeah. And because we haven't talked about Twisted Sister enough. This Never episode, enough. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's a story. Screaming for uh, for a bio series as well. Because, like I said, Twisted Sister, Stay Hungry was not Twisted Sister's debut record. They started in the early on? 70s. Um, the early stuff. No, the, but I mean, the, like, 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 like one, one member of the band has to be the focus, kind of like Pistol, right? Oh, so if one would, one member yeah. had to be it, because D. Snyder's the obvious, but is that where you right. would go, or would you go somewhere else? Uh, well, Snyder was pretty much there from the start, right? Was no. JJ French? I was gonna say no? JJ. Yeah, like I can't remember what number singer um, D was, but he he was not there from the beginning. Uh, JJ oh, okay. French, I think, is the only truly original quote unquote member okay. and owns all the right. Twisted Sister names and stuff. But and he um, would have to. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. I'm like, you know what? And I think that'd be a really good story because 
I think we know more about um, D than we do about JJ French. And I'm like, you know, I think that'd be mm-hmm. really good. There'd be some fun stuff there. Well, then that was also one of the strong points of Pistol, because it wasn't about Johnny Rotten. It wasn't about Sid Vicious. It wasn't about Nancy Spungin. It was about Steve Jones. Yeah, and Bas- who basically. I knew nothing about, you know. Like, right. Who's right. Steve Jones, you know? <laughs> yeah, especially with that name. Like, dude, you could have punched it up a bit. I know. You know? Steve. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Steve Jones, Johnny Rotten. Sid Vicious? Like, Sid really? Vicious. You couldn't do better? Yeah. No. Uh, I guess maybe in a way he stood out because of that. Because yeah. he had a plain name and, and all that. So, yeah. Definitely the early days of Twisted Sister. Like, when you see the pictures from the early 70s, like, they had singers with huge afros. Oh, yeah. Like, it's to Like, it's... It's it's not the Twisted Sister that we knew. Well, and, and that's all. what I think would be fun to see because, um, you know, D affectionately refers to those years as the sweet transvestite era. Um, <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and he, would, he would show up with his shirt that says, I'm D, blow me, you know. Mm. <laughs> see, that's that's one of the things about when, and I don't, don't mean to get political here, but yeah. I was actually thinking about this a little while back. Okay, well, like people, like there's two, there's two genders. You're a guy or a girl. You can't be trans and all that. You're a guy and all, and all that. I, I always said, like, you know what? I really don't care what anyone identifies themselves as. If a guy, if he feels that he's a girl and he is his physical form, kind of wants to represent that. Fine. We grew up, okay, with transvestites. Like it was a thing yeah you know adult guys wearing dresses the news covered it and all that i remember going to san francisco okay um as 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 a tourist waiting to get onto the ferry boat to take us to alcatraz we wanted to see alcatraz there's this little old man in a blue dress and bonnet just kind of hanging out at the wharf there yeah and i took one look at that and i said oh okay well it's San Francisco. By then, <laughs> even though that's really a great way to sum it up. Yeah. Well, yeah. Even though I was only thirteen at the time, we were so acclimated to transvestites. We knew what it was. We knew these guys were out there, and we didn't give a rat's ass. Yeah. Like, like, like I really care, you know. So when well, think when about you culture saw club. these. Like, oh, yeah. And the best part is, and I think I've said this on the air before, but I never ever put together that boy George was gay. I just thought he liked to wear dresses. I I thought he was just, he liked to wear women's clothing. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's a rock star. You know, he gets nothing but pussy, you know? (laughs) Exactly. That's what you're thinking. And it's like, Uh then I I remember, and dude, it was like late 90s when somebody pointed that out to me. I'm like, I'm sorry, what? They're like, you didn't know? I'm like, no. No. Like, why would I think that? Like, Aaron, he's in full makeup and a dress. I'm like, yeah, so is Milton Berle. Yeah, <laughs> like, so, is, so, is, so is David Bowie. Yeah. You know? I'm like, <laughs> what's that got to do with it? I'm like, I'd wear a dress. Come on. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was the same thing. Like, when hair, when hair metal came along, you know, and all that. And everyone was like, oh, look at these. Look at these 
douchebags. You know, I don't like that word. You oh, know, yeah. And yeah. it's like, dude, no, these guys are not gay. They they've had sex with more girls than you've spoken to in your life. You know, so it's just like, ah. Uh. So yeah, to see, got a little sidetracked there, but yeah, those 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 early days of Twisted Sister would definitely make for some really cool episodes. And then of course the the breakthrough with the Stay Hungry record, of course, D dealing with the PMRC, and then the eventual demise of Twisted Sister on the eighth episode or whatever. Yeah, you know, or then you know have a bonus episode of, you know, a comeback at uh, some big festival or something in the 2000s. And I think it would just make for really interesting TV. For sure, for sure, for sure. Um, Obviously, a uh, band that I'm sure Dee Snyder would say, yeah, if there was no Alice Cooper, there would be no Twisted Sister. And if, if out of any... Any of these artists that we've talked about, if anyone needs this kind of treatment, and it would have to be more than just one miniseries, okay, you would need maybe two or three of them to fully get the Al Cooper story. All right, because you have those early years, you know, with the spiders, you know, and then Alice Cooper, the band and all that the 70s heyday okay um the introduction of the uh of the theatrics the guillotine oh yeah you know like there there's just so much here and then of course in the late 70s where he kind of hit the bottle and um that pretty much destroyed his career for a while until about i guess it was 1987 like like cooper will tell you himself some of those albums like uh flush the fashion okay like i haven't even given those a listen he said the only people i was entertaining was myself and i was drunk okay (laughs) yeah (laughs) you know like he he embraces it he openly admits it so that would definitely make a uh make for some great stories and of course his wife cheryl his daughter Calico and all that, just being a part of his life and all that, definitely all the way up until the '80s comeback with the Constrictor album and yeah, you know, like, and then you end it there on that good positive note, and so much has happened that from that point to today, you can do another series on Cooper as well it, it would definitely um it would it would warrant it would definitely warrant more than one series and i think it would be huge i agree i think it would be huge because not only for the old school fans like us but i, I think there's enough younger fans that are that like the Maryland Mansons that like the Guars like everything that they kind of that Cooper influenced I think a lot of the younger fans would have no problem saying you know what I'll take six hours over the next six weeks out of my life and just check out to see what this Alice Cooper business is all about 
You know what I think would be cool? And I started thinking about it, everybody take a drink, when I was talking about the Chuck Berry series. (laughs) But how cool would it be for... um, for for the bands that have really had a big impact, like like so for example, like you know we just had the the Beatles get back, but mm-hmm. how cool would it be like if they did like a Beatles biopic, but then end the biopic with um, other bands picking up the records, like Gene and Paul picking up a Beatles record and putting it on, and then you know just, and and it could just be like a montage at the end, like you know. You know, Paul Stanley Eisen and Cheyenne Witz got these albums and went on to form Kiss. These guys got this Beatles album, went on to form this. You know, like, 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 because I was thinking about with the Chuck Berry, because you could end the the Chuck Berry series like in, somewhere in the fifties, but you know, the last episode is um, a steamer on its way to London. And the Rolling Stones getting a hold of a Chuck Berry record, the Beatles getting a hold of a Chuck Berry record, <laughs> Lemmy getting a hold of a Chuck Berry record, mm-hmm. you know, just and because once Chuck made it to England, like really, that's why we had the, the, the British invasion is because, you know, Chuck had such a huge influence on so, so many events, but just, you know. Like, like, I think that will be fascinating when, when you can pull those really direct things. You know, the Chuck Berry record makes it down to Australia. We get ACDC, you know, all those sorts of things. You know, like, 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 think, think about that. Like, somebody picks up, picks up like the, um, the Alice Cooper record and they're like, oh, I have an idea. What if we took this to mm-hmm. this level? You know, like, <laughs> you, you see a young Dave Brocky, like, huh. Well, how cool would it be if he just sprayed the audience with blood? You know, <laughs> you could you could make an entire, at least, a bio movie. Okay, not about Alice Cooper, but every artist that he's influenced. I think give, that would be really fun. A, really interesting yeah yeah and just just how like you know you're talking to this band this this is what cooper meant to us and how what how we're portraying our influence you know what interesting we need to see how we could do an episode like that right where you know again take a drink we pick um a chuck berry record song whatever and we go out we we would find people and we could tie it back to but I, I think for us like it might be more relevant to start with like a metallica or a megadeth be like okay mm-hmm. you know and then we go find those bands that, that had, had that like like i just i would be fascinated to to like you know see a show that's essentially a playlist and then telling the stories of all these other bands that, that in their own right have had success that maybe you didn't even make the connection you know, yeah, cool. It would I, make for a great discussion. Yeah, yeah. We need we need to we need to figure that one out. I don't know. I don't know what that looks like, but we're gonna figure this one out. <laughs> right on, right on. Well, my friend, the uh, the clock on the wall here is telling us it's time to bring this crazy train into the station once again. Uh, another another great discussion. I'm love I'm loving these that we've been having. Lately, even though we are bringing back the uh, creature features and they are making for longer episodes, but 
you know what? Hey, hey, is as long as people are going to continue to listen to them, we will keep uh, cranking them out. How can uh, how can people get a hold of us? Well, dear snowman, um, the best way is if you see us on the street, be like, "Hey, Snowy, Aaron, <laughs> what's going I, on?" I and we get can be that. like, I get that "Let's let's go into this record store and have a conversation." Um, mm-hmm. But you know. Since nobody comes here, that's probably not going to happen to me. Um, and Snowy's already the mayor in Winnipeg, so everybody already knows him. So it's really going to be like tourists for you. Um, <laughs> and nobody comes here. Um, but otherwise, you could go to RadioactiveMetal.org. That's where all the episodes are, past, present, and future. You can go to Facebook.com slash RadMetal. You should Definitely go to um, at RadMetal666 on Instagram because Snowy is going to do his best to remind me to take pictures of all the records I talked about today and mm-hmm. post those. Um, and I feel like I probably owe something for a couple episodes. Like, I seriously need to start writing this stuff down um, and like taking pictures and posting it because I got a lot of great vinyl to post and a lot of just great art. So um, go there because that's where we post that stuff. Uh, you want to drop us an email, radmetal666 at gmail.com. Um, let's see here. Anywhere fine podcasts are distributed. So iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spreaker, whatever, insert service here. If they have some mm-hmm. sort of way to get an RSS feed, I'm still to this day always fascinated when I go to a site that neither of us or Rock or anybody has ever submitted our stuff to, and we're there. So we're there, um, yeah. Who's 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 submitting our shit? Thank yeah. you very much. Yeah, I triple it. dog dare you to um, <laughs> to not find us somewhere. You know, good luck because we're also a part of the Shiny Wizards Network. Shiningwizardsnetwork.com is a fine, fine collection of wrestling lifestyle podcasts. Um, they also are host to a wrestling night in Canada, um, mm-hmm. where the host sounds just like Snowy. It's crazy. It's so weird. Good looking guy. Yeah, Good looking guy. Super handsome, super handsome, you know. But um, So we've got that going on, and thanks to those fine folks, we are on spotify so you can find this show on spotify by looking at the shining wizards network and trust me um not only will you get your metal fix you're gonna get such a dose of entertainment you probably need to take the rest of the week off like i i would plan your vacations around that much entertainment because that's gonna be mm-hmm. more fun than most people can handle so yeah so i uh, go do that and um i believe that's all the stuff there and more Okay, yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. ShiningWizardsNetwork.com. Check them all out to get us on out of here. Um, I decided to grab grab some New York hardcore, shall we say. The Mighty Brick by Brick a couple years ago featuring Mr. Tony Foresta from Municipal Waste, uh, Iron Reagan, and of course multiple appearances here on radioactive metal it features our good buddy tony brick by brick the bar is open i want to throw that out to all of the fine folks at ninja cat productions i know they would appreciate that in the meantime and in between time you know what no this has not been an abysmal episode of radioactive metal i'm snowy white and this is aaron 
signing off. Fire, who brought the rock? We lift the drink, we love the fight.